0: Welcome everyone from the DeFi Yield community. It is Michael here. Hope you are all doing fantastic. We are excited to have with us today, John Keller, who is from DXDAO. So thanks for being with us, John. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, 100%. So just for those who don't know about, uh, about you and DXDAO, can you give a quick little little background?
1: Sure, I'll give a quick intro to myself. I, I've been working in crypto full time for the past four years. Coming from the web dev world prior to that, yes. um, ha- had been following it for a while, and you know, with the ups and downs, got felt like in twenty seventeen that it was time to really jump in and, and make yeah. it a full time thing. Worked doing some consulting with a couple of guys uh, that I knew at the time, and we grew a small consulting shop over the first couple of years and then we kind of went separate ways. Uh, I got involved with DXDAO starting a couple years ago and then last spring, so you know about a year and a half ago, kind of started being full-time DXDAO. So I can kind of give you a quick synopsis of DXDAO itself. It was actually launched two years ago uh, out of an effort by Gnosis. Uh, uh, you know, pr- they raise money on prediction markets. They have a few different products these days, big, big established crypto project based out of Germany, as well as a DAO Stack, uh, which is a you know a DAO platform project that uh, is based out of Israel. And together they incepted DXDAO by doing what they called an initial staking period. So anybody could Earn reputation in the DAO. And this is the DAO stack platform's voting power. Mm -hmm. It's non transferable, which is like the the unique part about it. And people could, er yeah, people could earn it by locking up tokens or by trading on this DEX called the Dutch Exchange that Gnosis had built and given to the Mm XDAO. So they, through this period, there was about 400 addresses that earned voting power and Gnosis and Dowstack after that just stepped back. So they, they kind of launched this thing and let it fly on its own. It at first did not get that far. The Dutch exchange did not have much activity. There was no capital in the Dow and, and it, it didn't have a lot of activity after that initial staking period in the summer of 2019. But there were a handful of folks that were pretty passionate about the idea and, and started uh, working together. And kind of the first thing that we realized uh, was probably needed was some capital to to fund work for the DAO. So yeah, so that started that that started kind of in the fall of 2019. And by the spring of 2020, we we finally launched a bonding curve fundraiser. And, and that was the start of the DXT token. Cool. So this DXT token was sold through this bonding curve uh, basically over the course of, of last summer. It was an open fundraiser that. Eventually, governance decided to cap and close off. Uh, so, about 50,000 DXT were sold for Ether through the bonding curve. Um, and around that time, DXTOW launched its first products. One was a front end to the Gnosis protocol called Mesa, another one was a prediction market platform uh, called Omen. And yeah, those were the, the first two products. And since then, DXTOW has also launched Swapper, which is a DEX. Um, and, and it's a multi-chain DEX just recently um, going live on Arbitrum with the Arbitrum launch. So that's kind of the, the most recent news out of DXDAO and it's pretty exciting. And it's also coming with its own token for swappers. So this is the first time DXDAO is doing an individual product token. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a relatively uh, unique model in that the product tokens um you know represent a share of the fees for that product yeah. but dxdao itself retains uh, a number of the tokens and the fees from those will get forwarded to dx so dx to dxd sorry so dxd represents almost like an index yep. of the products um, oh, under super this model interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's like so, a portfolio yeah. of companies or offerings or something
1: Exactly. Like, so DXD offers this suite of products and, yeah. and under this model, which, you know, this is just the first token, so it's not very well established yet. It just launched. Yep. Um, you know, if, if each product had its own token, then you could choose to buy one of them, a subset of them, or you could get DXD and have exposure to all of them. Yep. And yeah, and we think it's, it's going to be important because especially in crypto, I think the expectation is sort of that each product has its own token and I think a lot of recognition of products comes from that. And it also I think allows flexibility uh, in terms of people's choice and how they want to participate. And I think it also allows flexibility in how the DAO uh, funds projects and, and assesses their success. So I'm pretty excited about that model and it's kind of just starting now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's super interesting. So uh, what was it that first attracted you to DAO? as compared with, I mean, there's obviously literally thousands of projects out there. So yeah. what? what Yeah, totally. I mean,
1: when I first got involved with DXDAV there, you know, I think DAOs have become much more popular today than they were at the time. It was the summer of 2019 and it was getting into the depths of the last bear market. Uh, I mean, there were still a lot of projects um, but at the time I, I was excited about DeFi, uh, I thought, you know, it was kind of this hot new trend that had a lot of potential. And one of the things I'd always been excited about getting into crypto was the potential, I think, that the long-term potential for it to impact how people organize. And, and so yeah. that's that's why I thought this DAO idea was was interesting totally. and exciting. And, and so I even was playing around with the idea of could I start something Along those lines, like a DeFi DAO myself or with some other people at that time, and didn't really feel like I was in a great position to, to do that. And so, DXDAO was uh, where I landed, figuring that that was you know the closest thing to what I was picturing, and and where I might find people that had similar ideas. And, and I think that actually panned out to be uh, a good move. I think like uh, yeah, there have been people that that, that are really um, kind of jived with, and we've been able to to Come what I think is, it will make a lot more progress than I would have expected at the time. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. What yeah. uh, so, so what were some of your thoughts? Because I'm also super interested in that. I think that, uh, you know, DAOs are by far one of the most interesting things in crypto, uh, in particular in kind of their potential ability, uh, certainly far from it at this point in time, but potential ability yeah. to, you know, bring in innovations to governance that could be scaled up to all sorts of other areas of society. So yeah, would love to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I feel like the potential to change the way people organize is like the largest potential impact that blockchain could have. Um, and I think we may not see it really take hold and start to change things for a while. You know, I think some of the we're seeing like the finance, the ability to, to you know, have digital value and, and some of the early, I think DeFi is a natural evolution of just the, the initial idea of peer-to-peer electronic cash that the Bitcoin white paper had, right? So yep. so I feel like we're just kind of digging in on, on the potential there. Yep. And we're we're really only scratching the surface on organizational stuff. But I think the rise of these DeFi projects has, has started to create um, the need for this new type of organization, right? Because you have the proliferation of these blockchain-based protocols, some of which can be pretty minimal on the governance front, like if you look at the you know early versions of Uniswap or whatever, but a lot of which I think will like benefit or need you know, organizations to maintain them and, and push them forward. So so I think with the rise of DeFi, we're starting to see people take an interest in the idea of DAOs. I think the term ha- has maybe gotten a little bit abused where everything is getting called a DAO. Like, like, hey, you you and me, we can start a DAO this afternoon. Let's just spin up the, the Discord, right? Like, and we'll, totally. we'll get on Twitter and call it a DAO. I think there's a little bit of, or a lot of that. But, um, so yeah, I, I think it's early, but there's, a, I think in the long-term, a, a huge amount of potential.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally, uh, totally agree with you. I uh, I was having a conversation with uh, someone from Harvest uh, the other day, and we were talking a little bit about kind of participatory, uh, you know, like really focusing not just on voting, but on like how things get done, right, and organization of yeah. people and participation. And so... Yeah. And then, of course, the comment I've had from some other people is, you know, problem with a lot of DAOs is they're not DAOs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a problem with a lot of DAOs, but it's okay though. I mean, I think the excitement is good and uh, there is real need for the for the decentralization of the autonomy. And and I think there are forces that will will push the ecosystem to in that direction to, to more real DAOs in a way.
0: Yeah. So what were some of the kind of early ideas that kind of gave you that vision that here's uh, here's some like, you know, kind of that inception of like, hey, here's what would be possible that isn't possible today uh, because of this technology?
1: And I think my, what resonated with me when I started to he- hear about the idea of, of DAOs in the crypto space was my personal experience, like working for big companies and, and frustration with bureaucracy and middle management and and it just feels you know i have this like sense that we can do a lot better yeah um and that that's not really the optimal way for people to work yeah
0: yeah yeah interesting so there wasn't some specific thing where you're like oh shit like because of this technology we could do this
1: I don't know if it was such, yeah, like a moment like that. I mean, I remember the first thing that got me into crypto was reading the Bitcoin white paper, but that was back in like 2011. And, and I just thought that was really exciting, like the idea of removing the, the middleman, right? So I think it kind of, it stems from that. So that was like a big aha moment for me, as it obviously was for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as that has evolved and now we have smart contract platforms like, uh, you know, Ethereum. Pioneered, uh, you start to think of like, okay, where else could that idea be applied, and and you know, unnecessary middle people organizations could could be removed. And I think uh, it's a bit of an abstract idea at this point, but I think in organizations that can be applied to make them, yeah, leaner and more efficient. Yeah, And yeah. potentially just happier places to be for the workers. Yeah
0: hopefully hopefully yeah. yeah it's interesting like i was i have long thought that we have these twin problems in society today which are the explosion of complexity and scale and mm-hmm. i feel as though our systems as a society just aren't set up to deal with that you know if you think about like the way right. say the u.s system is designed it made a lot of sense in you know 1776 and you know with american mm-hmm. revolution but today Life is so complex. And just the idea of having a representative for one for everything, right? One representative represents you on all issues. How can they possibly know about this, right? And yeah. so I feel like there's a lot of innovation needed. And in theory, you know, you could go county by county or state by state or something and say each of these should be running micro experiments to find out, you know, how to iterate and improve it. But it's actually quite high risk. And so mm-hmm. when I saw DAOs, it's like, well, here's this pretty low risk way of running thousands of experiments in parallel and observing yeah. what happens. And then because of the fact that so much of it is inscribed in code, you can run mathematical game theory simulations and kind of stress test, okay, what if this happens? What if that happens? And have some idea of the outcome without uh, without needing to go through the pain of it. So that's- Yeah, uh, this
1: idea that we could experiment with governance and government models like at the speed of code and essentially uh, I think it's true to the extent that you can model it. I think in, in reality, when, we're, when you actually try new, new systems out, you have to do it with a real project and that, that is going to have to play out over, over time, right? Yeah. But in an innovative space like crypto, you know, a thousand, thousands of projects can, can be running and competing and doing different things. So I, I think it is a pretty exciting space to see experimentation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how is it that you guys are playing with this in terms of like, just like how you run things as a team, as a, as a DAO, as a community?
1: Yeah. So from the the governance power, there's something that we believe in is is that token governance, like pure liquid token governance is flawed and, and, you know, um, vulnerable to to, I guess, plutocratic tendencies where you centralize the parties. Yeah, absolutely, and,
0: absolutely. Yeah. and I
1: think it unfairly gives, well, I guess you could question whether it's fair, but it gives too much power to, to capital. And yep. so what we, car- we actually currently have at DXDAO, a polar opposite of that, where the only voting power uh, is non-transferable and it has to be earned by contributing to the DAO. Um, But what our goal is, and this is because we have this TXT token, which is the financial token in the DAO, is to incorporate that into the governance power. And what we want to do, we've kind of established this as a a goal and a a spec, and it still needs to be implemented, but we want to have governance power be a combination of the two. So uh, I think of it almost as different personas, right? Like if you are a worker and the way you would like to participate in the DAO is, is by contributing and that alone, uh, there'll be room for you and you can earn this reputation. And that's not transferable, but it's a reflection of your work, could be valuable almost as like a resume builder, credit score, who knows, right? What the future may bring there. Yep. If another persona could be the, the speculator, maybe you just want to uh, get some participation in, in the financial upside of the DAO. So you could buy DXD and mm-hmm. And that could be it, right? Like all you want is is the token to have the value and and have a stake in that, Um, but you're not interested in governance. So the the speculator would just buy the the token. But then I think the third and important persona here would be somebody who actually cares about governance. And so to have governance in this new system, you would have to have at, at least some amount of reputation that you'd earn by contributing and at least some amount of the financial token that you would have had to have. Bought or earned potentially as a, a worker. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be a weighting, basically. And I think it, the idea is to have it roughly equal on on like your voting um, power being calculated from the amount of TXT you have and the amount of reputation that you've earned. Yeah. So, so what we're hoping to do is strike a balance between uh, kind of the capital and, and the labor within the system. And, and yeah. I, I think that's what makes TXTL unique. And we're pretty serious about that. Uh, I don't know if that quite answers your question. I think there's probably many layers to your question of like, how do we actually operate? Cause because then you can actually look at, yeah, how do people work and yeah. get paid and coordinate and it's a complex question. So I won't jump into that unless you want to. So
0: how, yeah. like, let's start with this. If somebody wants to participate in DXDAO and contributing to it, how do they get involved?
1: Right, so so you would come to uh, the, the Discord is where the, community is so that would be a great way to get some exposure to the products to the community what we're all about um, the contributors who are working some full-time some part-time for dxdao actually do most of the coordination in another chat pl- platform called keybase and that's also open so if you were serious about contributing and you kind of made up your mind that you wanted to, to do that you would come there introduce yourself uh, there's actually um like our our version of hr we call the contributor experience and so the person who's running that would help uh, help you get involved and kind of direct you to where you need to be and meet the right people. Everybody's very welcoming um, and friendly. There's a, a little over 20 people contributing full-time to the x And yeah, so that, that would be the path to, to get involved. And of course it helps if you understand the products and a little bit about what, what needs to be done at the moment. We probably most need developers. Uh, which have been harder to come by in the current market, but yeah, yeah, but there are many ways to contribute. And if you're interested, in, uh, no matter what your skills, I would uh, definitely encourage people to join the community, the discord and the key
0: And so is there some sort of a hiring like, Hey, we decide this person is going to be allowed in there. And this person is not allowed. Is there a hiring firing process?
1: Well, in terms of the Discord and the Keybase, those are, are public and open, and, and there's no kind of gatekeeper on joining those. Yeah. But uh, in terms of actually getting paid by the DAO, the the way it works is it usually starts with a trial period. So you would make a forum post around what uh, how you would want to fit in and what you would want to do. And of course, it, it helps if you talk to the existing contributors and get some sense of where the needs are. But yeah. it is open-ended, right? There's no Strict guidelines on what a, a worker proposal would look like. So if you can identify a need, make a proposal uh, that the community likes, then then there's a good chance that that proposal would pass through through governance. But ultimately, you have to make a proposal to the DAO on chain uh, that describes you know what your worker proposal would be, and it has to get passed through voting for for you to get approved and paid. Really, that's the ultimate control that the on chain governance has is the control of the treasury funds and whether you would get paid for your work.
0: So what about at first like would there be a process where maybe you start volunteering and doing some, you know, some coding or something on a part-time basis and then the yeah. contributors say, "Hey, you know, you're really cool. We really like the work that you're doing here. We're getting along well, you know. Maybe we'd like to advance you to a paid gig or something like that."
1: Yeah, especially if if you're a you know it doesn't make sense to jump in full-time right away or maybe you have other commitments at the time i think it is a good way to jump in and see where you could contribute without doing anything form formally and yeah. what some some now full-time contributors did when they started out was essentially that like doing things here they just jumped in did a bunch of stuff and and then once they did things that they saw were valuable that the community appreciated they actually could make proposals uh, to get paid for those things retrospectively. Yeah. Um, so that's also one mode to, to get paid, but obviously oh, you're taking on a little more risk because uh, you have to prove that it's valuable with, with the time you're investing before yeah, getting an upfront up agreement. So it's you're taking a little bit of a risk doing it that way, but it's a great way to, to dip your toes in and, and get involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then all spending decisions go through the DAO.
1: Yeah, so the treasury is on chain, controlled by the reputation holders. There's over 400 addresses. Um, the, the distribution is, is not even, so it is, um, you know, a much smaller number that they can can move decisions. But yeah, everything has to come from those on that on chain votes. Now, for certain operational things, uh, money has been moved places where it can be accessed more readily, like at small yeah. amounts. Yeah. So like interesting like for for example like one what we call squad would be like a team might have a multi-sig with some kind of operational budget for a few months Uh, and actually most of our worker proposals are done through a DAO that we have we call it a base set up on the xdai chain because the ethereum gas costs were so high on mainnet it got to a point where it was costing a thousand dollars in gas simply to pay somebody for a month and a half so To, to address that, we set up a base on XDI and have been doing most of the worker proposals on XDI with the, the, the transaction costs are much cheaper and uh, and so proposals can still happen, but at a much cheaper rate.
0: Interesting. What made you choose XDI like of all the different uh, options out there? Yeah,
1: That's a great question. Um, it was driven uh, not just by the need for the worker proposals, but also by... Um, by the desire to launch Omen, which is the prediction market platform, yep. on a more on a cheaper chain with like yep. less gas costs, and and one of the things that drove the decision to launch Omen there was the fact that uh, it's built using Gnosis's conditional token framework, and Gnosis had actually gone ahead and launched a few things on xai, including their conditional token framework. So so it sort of paved the way to launch Omen there, yep. and, and that was the initial uh, attraction to xai.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not like yeah. the chain that you hear the most about these days. So uh... yeah, when we
1: first deployed there, you know, things like Polygon uh, or Matic were were not nearly as popular as they were today, and so yeah, I guess it, it didn't quite take off like some of the other side chains that you you know about, like Polygon. But um, but yeah, at the time it seemed like uh, uh, I think it was a good choice. It's like, it's a great chain to be on. It just hasn't gotten as as popular as some of the other ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Cool. So tell me quickly about uh, uh, some of these products. You said you have this uh, cross-chain swap?
1: Right, so Swapper is a DEX uh, that's based on a Uniswap V2 fork. The, the only smart contract changes were to add the ability for governance to set fees, uh, both the individual pair fee as well as the protocol fee. So, so unlike Uniswap V2, where there's a fixed fee of 0.3%, And if they ever turn on the protocol fee, one sixth of that would go to the protocol. In Swapper, uh, the fees can be set dynamically. And currently, they're at 0.25% for the the swaps. And then 10% of that goes to the protocol. So 0.25% goes to the protocol. Um, And then in addition to that, I mean, the UI has evolved a lot from what Uniswap has. And we've also added what we call do-it-yourself farming. So in the UI, Uh, You can access farming. Um, TX now runs some itself through this interface, but the reason we call it -it do-it-yourself farming is anybody can go there and create farming campaigns through the UI. So you could incentivize a specific pair with any token um, and you can choose the duration of the campaign, whether it's locked, locked, yeah, whether it's capped, so there's so some cool farming stuff that we have built in there. Yeah. And it's launched on Ethereum, on XDAI, and, and just recently on Arbitrum. And cool. with this Arbitrum launch, yeah, like I said earlier, we've launched a product token as well for swapper. So there, there's an airdrop going on in Arbitrum uh, for different communities and TXT holders. And liquidity mining will be starting uh, next week on Arbitrum as well. So we're we're really excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What's the, what would you say is like the mandate of uh, DXDAO for the purposes of the products? Like what's Mm -hmm. the the focus? They're DeFi
1: focused. So we have the the DEX, we have the prediction market platform uh, and we're working as well on a token auction platform and uh, another incentive system that we think is gonna be really cool that should be coming out soon. I don't wanna say too much about that yet, but Uh, We're pretty excited about about that as well, but it's all DeFi focused. You know, we care about governance as well. And I think the, you know, the biggest core value is decentralization. Mm -hmm. So you'll see like the tagline decentralizing DeFi. That's sort of trying to poke at the fact that sometimes what we call DeFi is actually not taking decentralization too seriously, but everything we do from the way the, the DApps are deployed to the on-chain governance, uh, to the number of voters and stuff, it, it has a very strong and aggressive focus on the decentralization part.
0: Super cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. So you kind of go and look at the space and see where there's gaps that you feel kind of need to be filled and then bring kind of the DXDAO flavor to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like I think we are trying to do things that would blend well together, like I think the token auction platform will fit well with the, the DEX. The prediction market platform is sort of a little bit on its own, uh, not super tied into those. So it's it's not set in stone. And I think it could it could be pretty open-ended what Excel works on in the future. Um, but I think it makes sense that we'll evolve out of the things that we have, like the DEX and the token auction platform and the prediction markets.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, so some people are probably not familiar with the uh, continuous bonding curves and uh, mm-hmm. that that process. Do you want to just give a quick uh, quick explanation for not just what it is, but why you chose to do that as opposed to, I mean, it's not the most common way to uh, to release. Yeah, not
1: that many projects have raised and uh, distributed tokens through a bonding curve. It was an idea that had kind of caught on early on with, with DXDAO and people were excited about it. And I, I don't know if there was like more of a reason than the fact that people were <laughs> excited about it at the time. And but that's, that's where we landed. The way it, it worked, uh, and, and it's still live, but it's been capped. So you can't buy tokens from the bonding curve anymore. Okay. Um, but the, the, the way it works is, is actually just a straight line relating the supply to the price. Mm-hmm. So you know, early on, the price started at, I think it was 0.05 Ether. And it basically just went straight up at a certain slope from there it it topped out around one ether per dxd um and at a supply of fifty thousand, so you could infer the slope from that and some other features it had is what we called the the kickstarter period so it actually didn't start going up on a line right away the first um i think it was 250 ether uh or like kickstarter works you could you'd commit the capital, but it had to reach that 250 Ether threshold before they were actually sent to the DAO and the tokens distributed. And that was meant to kind of encourage the first people through the door, yeah, you know, you maybe didn't want to contribute, you know, 10 Ether to this project and, and be the only one contributing. And they'd be like, well, that, that's not going to go that far, right? So <laughs> that's why we had that initial 250 Ether threshold, Um and the other the other feature that's worth mentioning is there's a buyback reserve. So of the ether that was um, put into the curve to buy DXT, ten percent of that stays stayed in the curve, and the other ninety percent was was sent to the DAO. So that ten percent is um, meant to support a sell price on the curve, which which still exists. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it has never really been used because it's it's always been below the market price.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, I would love to. Uh, I would love to chat more with you about it in the future because it's uh, it's very cool. Yeah, that, it's, uh, plenty right? of rabbit holes
1: to go down. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Happy to come back. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, this was a good uh, a good primer. So thanks for taking the time to share with us a little bit about what you guys are up to. We'll definitely put the links uh, links there for people and they want to check it out. And then maybe in the future we can uh, yeah we can do some deep dives into a few of the, uh, the little rabbit holes that you've got there.
1: Yeah, sure thing, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. All right, guys, hit the thumbs up button, the subscribe button, the all notifications and all those things, and uh, go and check out DXDAO. Uh, We'll have the links all below, follow them on Twitter, that sort of thing. And we're going to look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.